Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport, at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Ryan, we're talking about first jobs today, and one of the very important things when you start your first job is that first impression that you make. And there's no better way to make a first impression than to arrive at work or on your first Zoom with a freshly clean shaven face. Now, the best way to get a clean shave for your first day of work to look and feel great is with a tube of Dr. Carver Shave Butter and the Executive Razor from Dollar Shave Club. Both of those you can grab at a great price for $15 for your first starter pack and get $10 off your second delivery if you head to www.dollarshaveclub.com forward slash sportsgrad. You can find a link to that in our show notes below to take advantage of that terrific deal and look and feel great on your first day at your new job. Hello and welcome to the SportsGrad podcast. I'm Ryan Walker and with me as always is the smitten Reuben Williams. How are you today, mate? I'm absolutely fabulous. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, thank you for the introduction. I believe I've used that for you in the past as well. So a bit of a common theme between us amongst many other common themes. Uh, yeah, I think but no. another one has joined the fold in the past weekend, but that's okay. We won't, uh, we won't sort of go into that too much. Um, get out of sight of the lines of this podcast, maybe a different podcast. Yeah, I, I, I think we might we might keep it there in regards to that one. But if we want to talk about sport, this is the this is the podcast um, for us. So thank you uh, so much. Firstly, to those listening, it's a, a huge episode today. Uh, so thank you for being part of the show and by downloading and getting involved, we really appreciate it. Today is an unusual episode where we're actually not joined by any guest. Um, we are joined by each other. Where this episode is purely on Ruben talking about reflections from starting his career at Cricket Australia. If you're listening for the first time and thinking, what is his show? Who are these two guys? The SportsGrad podcast is your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I myself am a graduate of Notre Dame Australia in Perth and Ruben is a graduate of Deakin University in Melbourne. A few years back, we both made the jump into working at Cricket Australia together and now our aim is to help you do the same in whatever way, shape or form that may be in the sports industry. Now, as I said in the intro there, Rubes, this is a very unusual episode. I am joined by our very own Ruben Williams. So how are you today, Rubes? I'm well. It's a bit different. It's all about me. Um, yeah, hopefully I don't ramble too much. Um, I see you've got some questions, so looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I thought I, I'm not going to give you a summary like we usually do with our guests because I'm assuming the listeners out there would have heard uh, version one of, of your episode earlier on in the piece I think it was episode two or three. From memory, you'll be able to tell me that. But um, I guess today we're going to really deep dive into sort of your time starting out your career in sport at Cricket Australia, um, which is really exciting. Um, So I do have a few questions for you, so I hope you're prepared. 
So the reason for for this episode and, um, you know, obviously it's an interesting time for you having uh, officially wrapped up at Cricket Australia in the, the last week and I think you had your farewell on Friday. But we thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to really just chat about your your time at Cricket Australia and some of the some of the things you learnt and um, what you can take with you um, following on. So um, hopefully today people can get a bit of an insight into your your sort of roles that you held at cricket um, and also sort of some learnings that you had um, that you can pass on. So mm. I'll start with question one. So these days, obviously, you you help people with their applications. Um, and all, all kinds of things with your sort of your coaching methods and whatnot. How was your experience uh, with your interview <laughs> and, and would you change anything uh, now that you, you look back? <laughs> um, yes, one thing I would definitely change uh, and this was uh, after I had got the job and, you know, was in a position where I could ask for some feedback and I'm not sure if it was Mike, my manager, who told me or, or somebody else. But when I showed them my resume, they said, this is far too long. And I think it was five pages of the resume that I handed in. And now I recommend people to keep your resume to two pages max. Um, But at the time, I'd kind of stuffed a whole lot of uh, experiences into the last couple of years of my uni degree and felt inclined to include every single one of them. Uh, So one thing I would change is just only include the relevant ones for the job. But... In terms of the interview itself, um, I remember getting called in for an interview at, I think it was 8 a.m. on a Thursday morning uh, over at 60 Jollymont. And I, you know, at this point in time, I'd already missed three exams in my lifetime due to sleeping in. So 8 a.m. didn't bode too well for me. But I made the trip out to Richmond's train station and walked across and was – and I was getting ready to prepare for this interview, which I was like, you know, packing my dacks because Cricket Australia had always been my dream job. And like, all right, this is this is it. Now is my opportunity. And I remember standing outside the MCG, practicing some interview questions, just talking to myself. But I didn't want to look, I didn't want to look like a freak just talking to myself. So I had my phone up next to my head to pretend I was talking to someone on the phone. Um, whilst trying to rehearse these interview questions. But I got into the interview. Are you serious? And, That's so funny. <laughs> I was nervous. I wanted to prepare. I, need, I feel like I need to get out there. I feel like I need to do everything possible to to feel ready for this. But as soon as I got in, I think I relaxed. Like you answer that first question and you're kind of away and you start to be yourself and you start to, you know, share little quirks about what you've done in the past. And um, I think I'd done enough preparation that it started to all come out naturally. And once I started talking, it felt more normal. Um, but what, like the main question I remember from that interview was, what are you most proud about in your experience to date? And that, that, like the example that I gave for that, I feel had a lot of different kind of um, desirable traits that you, that, you know, people would look for in a candidate's experience kind of packed into one. And that was my time at, Deakin University as the president of the Sports Studies Committee. Um, and basically, like when you go into your first job and you're getting picked on potential, you want to kind of see things that you're doing to show your initiative, to show that you've got leadership potential, even if you've got a unique experience that other people don't have as well. And otherwise, you can just kind of show your emotional intelligence for, for dealing with other people as well. And that, that experience um, kind of encapsulated all of those. And... Um, and then the way I was kind of able to convey that 
by demonstrating a strategic approach to increasing our membership and then showing that we had a goal in mind, which was 200 members, and we we grew that from 71% um, from the previous year, I think also just kind of exemplified the level of seriousness that I had given that opportunity or approached that opportunity to show that, hey, I'm, I was committed to growing this sports studies club. And I think all of those different things, but I would show my results as well kind of were enough to kind of get me over the line. So I went, I went back to Deakin Library and kept studying and a couple of hours later got the call from from Sharon who said, Ruben, we'd, we'd love to offer you the job at, at cricket. And I thought, fantastic, exams are over. This is, this is it. I don't have to study anymore. <laughs> but no, I, I continued studying, got through the last exams. I didn't want to make – I didn't want to sleep through them. So, yeah, that's kind of how it all went down <laughs> and then started on the following Monday. Nice one. The five-page resume is certainly a, a rare one, I, I will say. Um, but next time <laughs> I, I see you talking on the phone, that. yeah, well, next time I see you on the phone, I'm not going to know if you're actually talking on the phone or talking to yourself, but that's okay. <laughs> um, we often stress about, you know, the, the importance of just being yourself at work, um, and we've spoken about this at length. But what what sort of impact did doing – just that have on the first six months of your career at cricket? Mm. I, I think just by being myself, it allowed me to kind of create connections with people faster than I would have had I kind of, you know, bottled it up or held myself back from anything like that. And one thing that worked in my favour, which wasn't the intention at the time, I just kind of felt like I wanted to be myself and, and share some information and this came out through one of my early activities, which was delivering a digital weekly report on all the stats and figures from our digital assets and platforms. And that would go out on a Monday morning and accompanying that would be a nice little wrap-up of my of my weekend. So there'd be the attachment of the report and then the email would start by saying something like, G'day, everyone. Hope everyone had a good weekend. This weekend I got up to X, Y, and Z. And sometimes I probably push it a bit too far in, in what I let people know about my life. Um, but for the most part, it, um, it created a bit of a talking point, which wasn't, I guess, you know, the, the main intention. I was just kind of felt like, you know, they, these are just normal human beings. Um, I'm going to interact with them on a normal level. I kind of hadn't, like, this is my first full-time job. I'm two weeks into the job when I send out the first report reporting on my weekend I don't know what, you know, company corporate culture is like at that point. I don't know how, you know, what you're supposed to or what you're not supposed to share at that, at that point. So I was just like, oh, these are regular people. I'm sure they're happy to have a laugh. I'm going to share with them what I'll get up to. Um, and the response was um, was welcomed. Uh, so I think that just kind of allowed me to create uh, connections quicker with people in my first six months. I remember um, receiving a couple of those and – I distinctly remember thinking, hmm, it's it's erring on the side. It's almost over the line, but it's just under. <laughs> so, um, no, well done, mate. Um, <laughs> when you uh, when you applied for the role, did you know what you were getting yourself into? And can you talk about sort of two to three main activities that were were part of your your first role? Mm. No, no idea. Um, so the title was Digital Commercial Assistant and I didn't really have any idea about digital or commercial. I knew I was interested in the business of sports. So I was like, oh, commercial, that kind of relates to that. And I knew I was interested in technology and sport, so digital kind of related to that. 
And um, I guess I just kind of showed my interest in each of those areas. So talking about a study tour that I did to America, which was all about technology and sponsorship and stadiums and all that, um, helped me kind of show that my ambition was aligned to the role. But in terms of like the activities I was doing, I was not prepared for any of them. So one of them was sending out digital weekly reports. So I had to jump into Google Analytics, Google Analytics or Facebook Analytics and, and just send out the numbers each week. Um, another thing I had to do was uh, test match reporting. So I'd collate all these facts and figures from all these different data points and, and run the numbers, compare them to the numbers from the previous season or the previous series, if it was an Ashes, you know, compare them to last time, to four years ago and see how our platforms are, are performing year on year or series on series or match on match. So there's a lot of work in Excel. And then another part of that was learning all about Google Ads. And so it was up to me to instruct our, and when I say instruct, I mean like deploy and, you know, set up and press go on um the ads that you would see running across cricket.com.au. So I would, you know, talk to Rebel and get an image of them that would then go into Google, that would then send the feed to cricket.com.au and the ad would display on the website and they would collect impressions and I would report the impressions back to Rebel. Um, so that was some of the things that I had to do early on, which I did not expect to get myself into. Yes, that was, that was the best part of the job. <laughs> that, that right there is probably a little... You know, for someone who has never, for the for the listeners, perhaps someone who's never really understood how ads go on cricket.com.au, but that is a that's essentially a nutshell of 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 what happens, Ruth. Yeah, yeah. So I was very happy when Cricket Australia employed a digital ad operations specialist in Tom Quirk, who loves this stuff and does a much better job of it than me, and so took over, and and that's going great guns at the moment now. He's a superstar, Tom Quirk. Um, we talk a lot about how 80% of jobs aren't advertised. Um, and in 2018, your role changed from digital commercial assistant to digital commercial specialist. However, it wasn't sort of just a, a natural promotion. Um, tell us a bit of a, a story about what happened there. Yeah, yeah. So I had a, a three-month break between those roles. Um, and that was because when I finished uni, all I w- had my sights set on the following year was to go to the FIFA World Cup. And this had been my dream for, for years and years and years. Like talk, talking to Carlo Kasparian about the 2005 match against Uruguay over at ANZ Stadium uh, has been one of my highlights of this podcast. And um, so I was you know, an 11-year-old boy watching the Socceroos qualify for the World Cup for the first time in 32 years that night. And that kind of just set my ambitions on going to a world cup one day so i was hell-bent on going to a world cup anyway i get to the end of uni and i get my dream job at cricket australia and i'm like oh i'm still desperate to go to a world cup and thankfully the job was a six-month contract to start i thought that these six-month contracts were just kind of set in stone and that's kind of it i didn't know there was flex around carrying it on or or whatever and so i just kind of flagged it very early that um yeah, it's great. Thank you for the six-month contract. This is fantastic. It's perfect. Um, I'm going to go to the World Cup at the end of it and proceeded to, to do that and actually blew my entire first paycheck on a – it was like the, the way that the tickets were categorized, you could buy an entire set of tickets to every match in one city. 
And I wanted to go to a semi-final, I think it was. And the only way to get that ticket was to buy the entire set of tickets for all the matches at in St. Petersburg. So I think I spent $4,400 US on, um, on World Cup tickets as soon as my first paycheck came through, which was much more than my actual paycheck. Um, so that all happened all very quickly. <laughs> and that actually ended, that ended up that ended up in the digital weekly reports as well. And Doesn't um, surprise me. <laughs> no. Um, so I yeah was hell bent on going to the World Cup. Went away for three months, um, and before I left, we had just kind of started talking about a uh, potential return. And um, I think at the time, you know, the media rights deal was going down. So. Until that was set in stone, no sort of budgets could be set in place. So they, Cricket Australia, couldn't really work out if they had budget to bring me back. So it was kind of like a long process to to say whether you know yes or not. We'd love to keep you on. So that almost came at a perfect time for me because it meant that I could go away while Cricket Australia were figuring out, figuring out their budgets. And then once they did get budget approval, I was back in town, and they said, "Yep, we've got a role for you." Now the role changed. For like the first couple of months, I had to come back via the hospitality team and run and look after the CRM for a couple of months until the digital commercial specialist role was ready to go. Um, but eventually it came up and I had to reapply for that and um, go through the interview process all again. So it was, it was a bit, it's a bit different when you know the people interviewing you and they know you and you've got to try and act serious and put your best foot forward, even though they know that you're not going to kind of talk about yourself in this sort of way and, you know, day to day, um, but went through the process and um, and yeah, and came back came back with the digital commercial specialist role, which I held until recently. Very nice. I actually remember when you told me that you were going to go to the World Cup, and I was just like, "Yeah, right, okay, that's quite random, but I love <laughs> it." You know, you just <laughs> you just felt like going to the World Cup. Yeah, that's totally fine. I don't, I don't- um, we do love our soccer though, uh, and we do love yeah. Carlo as well. Great discussion. Um, but something like that I don't think happens unless you kind of flag it well in advance. Like I don't think I could have got to the end of my six-month contract and be like, oh, by the way, I want to go to the World Cup. I think by sharing that very early on that like, you know, I had you know a lifelong ambition to go to the World Cup in, and I sh- think I shared that in the first couple of weeks. You know, people are more than happy to kind of help you you get there, but as long as you tell them that early. So that was that was very fortunate to be able to kind of – go through that and then be able to be brought back in. Yeah. I think like pretty gutsy as well from you because you didn't really know what would happen if you did go to the World Cup and then there might not have been saying when you got back, um, mm. you know, pretty gutsy to take that risk, I guess. But like you said, if you really want to do something, um, there's limited opportunity over your life. So if you want to go do that while you're young, fantastic. I think pretty good risk to take. So um, no, kudos to you for that. You mentioned basically you had the digital commercial assistant role and the digital commercial specialist. Um, how did the roles sort of change between the two? Because obviously very similar roles. Um, how are they different though? Yeah, I guess when I step back into the specialist role, the um, the uh, focus probably broadened to delivering wider reaching campaigns. So previously it was just kind of managing the system where the ads were going to. And then we got Tom Coyock, who we mentioned, who kind of took over that. And then that kind of freed me up to look after campaigns that were going across, 
you know, um, our app, our website, our social media campaigns, and even into my cricket and some of the more interactive uh, activations that sponsors wanted wanted to do. For instance, you know, Alinta Energy was super keen to kind of engage with grassroots participants by using the, the weekly scores that they were they were generating. So we would work very closely with them on trying to deliver that for participants. So I think the main focus was kind of to step away from some of the the nuts and bolts and grunt work, which um, uh, there was still an element of, but turned to more of a broader focus across uh, an entire campaign. Um, but then, yeah, you know, every month I'd kind of step back in and it would be my responsibility to give them a monthly report or quarterly report to kind of share the results of what each element of their camp- campaign was delivering. What do you What do you think you're most proud of? from your time at cricket, uh, from a work or even just a specific project perspective? What stands out to you? Uh, The one thing I'm most proud of um, from a project perspective is this um, campaign that myself and my friend Pip Peshke came up with, uh, which was called the T20 World Cup Viewing Parties or the hashtag Watch Me Viewing Party. Shout out to Pip as well. Um, G'day, she, Pip. We know you she'd be listening. Yeah, hundred percent. Pip's a massive fan. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah. So Pip and I came up with this campaign to encourage people to watch the Australian women's cricket team at the World Cup, and the whole premise was around doing something very similar to a Triple J Hottest One Hundred party or a Biggest Morning Tea, where essentially we would kind of provide the items and other different things that people need to facilitate a party in their own home to watch an event. So this involved, you know, sending out um, or coming up with like a digital pack that people could download and click and collect um, and print out and that would give them all the banners, all like these games that they could use to um, make their party a bit more enjoyable or to print out invitations to send to their friends or email invitations, other different things, anything that would kind of incentivize a host to throw a party that would encourage them to watch the Australian women's cricket team, we would throw into this party pack. Now, that that came about uh, in May of 2019. Yeah, May of 2019 that came about. So Pip and I were at a at a workshop for women and girls in cricket and it was all about, you know, how do we – make the transition for junior girls into senior women's cricket much easier. What can we do? Like how can we solve that problem? And our group came up, this is Pip and I and a few other people, we came up with this idea to take a three-pronged ap- approach focusing on um, events within a cricket club. And um, I think the first one was to welcome welcome each junior player in a really special way to the senior cricket club or just integrate the entire club as a whole and you welcome them. Then you reconnect during the middle of the year to throw another event. And then at the end of the year, you would leverage Australia's presence at the Women's World Cup to have that third event and have everyone come together to support the national team. So we pitched that as part of um, this uh, workshop along with a whole bunch of other ideas that were going ahead. And um, the best few got picked out. And I think we came like fourth or fifth out of seven groups that pitched. And that was fine. But... The next week I said to Pip, that idea to have a party centred around the Australian women's cricket team at the World Cup has got legs and is worth pursuing in isolation. 
And so we set about um, building out what that would look like. So I think we put in some time in the diary. I think it was like an, an hour each day just for one week to try and blitz out what this would look like. And we talked to every single department to find out how it could fit in with their needs and their objectives to see what other people think. Um, you know, we were doing little brainstorm sessions with people who were just at their desks, um, you know, in five minutes just to see what additions we could get to this party pack. And that kind of evolved over time. Anyway, we, um, we got to the point where we felt like we had a good product to kind of put forward and, and pitch as a, a campaign that Cricket Australia should be taking up. Now, one of the things that worked to our advantage was the fact that on Cricket Australia's objectives, or their balanced scorecard, as they called it, um, leveraging the T20 World Cup was worth 10% of Cricket Australia's overall objectives. And so that worked favourably for us because there wasn't um, much else going on in that space just yet. And we had this idea to kind of galvanise the country to get people behind the team. Now, we uh, had never come up with anything in our life before in our working lives so we didn't know the best way to approach it or to take it up the chain or to get it approved or anything like that. So we went straight to the top. <laughs> we went straight to, to Kevin Roberts, the CEO, uh, and Scott Grant, the, the COO, and uh, put in a time in their diaries and pitched them this idea to have a party celebrating the Women's World Cup. And I was extremely nervous going into that meeting. They could probably all tell that. I had Pip trying to keep me calm. Um, anyway, we pitched, we pitched the idea and they loved it. And, um, they essentially just kind of took it to the next executive team meeting, shared it, and then got redistributed down to the fan engagement team and the marketing team to then deploy and roll out. And to see like the marketing team take it on and engage TLAs and agency to roll it out. And then to see all these schools, clubs and homes, be kitted out in their hashtag watch me party packs um, because of an idea that we had was extremely rewarding and very cool to see. And um, that kind of taught me that like no matter who you are in the organisation, you are never too small to have an idea and to share it and to, and to make it happen. Um, and which really kind of gave me confidence to kind of back myself and to think, you know, Ruben, if you've got an idea, share it, don't hold on to it because, like, imagine if you hold on to something like that, then, you know, maybe, you know, a girl at home misses out on watching the World Cup, Australia World Cup, and the only reason she's doing that is because someone's, one of her, one of her th- friends has thrown a party. So, um, yeah, that was something I was extremely proud of because, one, for the impact that it was having on people coming together around women's cricket, and then, two, um, being able to kind of push myself out of my comfort zone to an extent to to take on something and to pitch the CEO and to do all the um, selling to all the different departments in between. It was, um, yeah, it was a pretty definitive experience. I've got a feeling that will be a story that you won't tell once. I think that may may feature in a job interview one day, I would imagine, from your <laughs> end. But, no, it, it was a it was pretty impressive uh, to see that all roll out. So, a memory, a good memory from you. What was uh, what was one habit you think you did really well that that other people could could adopt? Mm. Um, I don't know if this was a habit, 
I, I suppose it was a habit, but it wasn't a deliberate habit. <laughs> oh, it, was a, um, it was a pretty – I think I know where you're going with this, I think. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> sure. Um, it wasn't a habit in the sense where, like, you know, I get up at 7 a.m. every morning and go for a walk to get myself in the mood to work that the work that day. It wasn't a habit where I have to kind of consciously think about it. Uh, but one habit that I got stuck in was talking to lots of people. Yeah, I thought so. I knew you were going to say <laughs> that then. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, like I just thought it was fantastic. Like I was in cricket for the first time, which is a sport I love, and there's people doing so many interesting things in all different departments. And I was just like, oh, tell me about that. Like that's awesome. Like I'd go, I, I'd, you know, I did an exercise science degree as well. So I like chatting to Alex Contouris, who is like the head of sports science and sport medicine, and he's telling me about one of the players' shoulder injuries or something like that and how he's planned to fix it and the, teaching me about the athlete management system and how they, you know, manage bowling loads and all those other other different things I just thought was fascinating. So I do the same thing with people in all different departments just to find out what actually goes on in cricket and it just interested me so much. And then eventually once you start to know a few people, then, you know, you, you enter one floor and you, you can't leave without chatting to five different individuals before getting back to your desk. And so um, talking to everybody was was a habit that I suppose I, I picked up. Um, and But I guess like where the benefit really came was, you know, when I tried to implement something like the World Cup uh, watch me parties, you know, those relationships were already established to talk to the key people to get the information from them and to have them support it as well. So I think just being interested in, and making the effort and taking the time to talk to everybody and even that's just like, you know, that can come in a couple of different ways, whether that's just literally approaching a floor, a different floor each day or getting involved in lunchtime fitness or, you know, after work drinks or just going for a run with different people or having lunch with someone else on a different day. Like all those different things kind of count and, and help you in the long run. You just kind of don't know when um, when it will help you. I think someone said to me, like, you never know when you're going to need a relationship or you you don't know you need a relationship until you do. And so I think I kind of found out later when I started to need these relationships, I was very lucky that I had formed this habit of talking too much to people. I think, um, yeah, from memory, like walking around up the staircase with you um, was an interesting experience because there'd be someone who I had I had never met before, had never spoken to, but you'd know their name and you probably knew what they did on the weekend. So it was quite <laughs> – it was – Quite amusing sometimes, um, but no, could probably take a, a leaf out of, out of your book at the same time. So, no, it was very entertaining and I think probably 95% of CA probably knew who you were and what you're about and, you know, mainly because of your little digital updates and what you do on the weekend, but that's okay. Um, what, uh, what are some things that you didn't expect before you started? Uh, th- well, this probably feeds into what I just said. I didn't expect to I didn't expect to meet so many like-minded people. And obviously you would know firsthand, Ryan. This is where I've found some great friends. Um people who I expect to stick around for a long, long time. Well, um, one very important individual. Um <laughs> I think we'll that down. <laughs> found one very important pe- person and a whole bunch of other like-minded individuals. Yeah. Uh no, I think, yeah, I think just when you work, when you get to a workplace, I didn't expect, to the extent that I realised, everyone to have such a you know common 
um, you know, to have these common interests. And for cricket, it's like everyone loves cricket or everyone loves sport or everyone loves the idea of sport. So you got, you've all got something to talk to. And I guess like when you're coming through school and, and sometimes uni, you've got people who are doing all different things and the friends you've grown up with have often got different interests as well. But when you get to work and everyone's working towards, you know, a relative common goal, you've got all these people working, you know, moving in the same direction. And so that just kind of allowed, um, you know, strong relationships to, to form. And so I think the other great thing was when you work with people in sport, people in sport are very competitive. And so that, that was great because I'm also very competitive. I was looking for some more very competitive friends just to like do competitive things with, whether it was a laugh of the tan or our um, lunchtime fitness weekend away, lunchtime fitness, all of that. So I didn't expect there to be so many like-minded people, which was just the best part of the job, um, but didn't lend itself too well to me being away from my desk talking to so many people all the time. <laughs> um, but the other the other thing I didn't expect was people inside Cricket Australia are just people doing jobs. I think before I got there, I kind of looked at Cricket Australia with wide eyes as this massive organisation, which is my dream job. Um, that had this kind of halo effect that was exciting and intimidating and I kind of put it on a pedestal until I got in there and not to say that, you know, these people don't deserve a pedestal, but you realise when you get to know them, it's just people doing jobs, which is such a normal thing and weird thing to say out loud, but until you, like, get inside, you don't actually realise it because as, like, a wide-eyed student, you're just like, oh, this is a, you know, these organisations are full of incredible professionals doing great things. And so one thing I didn't expect was that, you know, organisations are just a mix of regular people doing regular jobs or, you know, cool jobs. <laughs> How long do you reckon it took you to, like, get over the fact that, like, holy moly, I'm at one of the biggest sporting organisations in Australia? How, How long mm. do you reckon it took you to just be like, okay, well, get over that now. You, you've got to do your job and basically just get things done, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, we started around this time in 2017. I reckon it was long after the first season. I think the entire first season, I was just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like, one, when we're playing the Boxing Day Test match, I'm getting brought up to the media box and then, um, you know, I'm getting showed onto the ground and I'm thinking this is just unbelievable. And, you know, you've got players visiting head office from now every now and again to, to deliver a speech and, like all of it was just, you know, extremely surreal and, and eye-opening. Yeah, very surreal. Exactly right. So it probably took me a bit longer than most to get over that because cricket had always been my my love and passion. So probably far too long, I would say, Ryan. I think it took me <laughs> too long to get over that. <laughs> no, I think that's a good good answer. Um, yeah, maybe maybe I'm not fully over it yet, but that's okay. Um <laughs> Last couple of questions to round out a, a special episode. Um, what what would you tell yourself now if, if if you were starting your first job at CA today? If you look back at it, I th- I think now I've got like a a very different perspective. Having like a, it's literally been since March since I worked in the organisation, um, uh, but only formally wrapped up last week. But I think. You know, it's not being a part of it now, I can kind of begin to really like properly appreciate how lucky I was to work in the national sporting organisation of of my dream sport. 
and appreciate some of the opportunities I got to work across, whether, you know, the World Cup campaign or even do a secondment to the, the T20 Cricket World Cup and work as a TLO with the New Zealand cricket team. Um, and all of that now, I'm, I'm kind of like, wow, that's awesome that I got the chance to do that. But there are definitely days when you're in the job where you're just like, oh, I cannot be bothered today. <laughs> like, get me out of here. That's um, when you turn like, to the oh. Tim Tams. That's when I go to the Tim Tams. <laughs> and that time when I would turn to the Tim Tams probably got a bit too early. <laughs> um, but, um, um, yeah, like you definitely have days where you're just like, oh, this sucks. Um, all I want to do is go home. Um and you forget how lucky you are to kind of work in the sport. So I think I would tell myself now, having stepped out of it and looking back on some of the experiences I was able to have, um, I would probably say to myself first starting out to really, and this is extremely cliche, but really cherish every single moment you get to work in that job because I may never get the opportunity to do something like that within a rights holder ever again. You know, I might never get to go and have lunch in an empty MCG ever again. I remember like the first couple of weeks I was just like, you mean we get access to the Hugh Trumbull Cafe and if I show my staff card, they'll they'll let me through that door and I can take my takeaway plate out and sit in the stands and just eat my lunch as the only person sitting in the MCG. Like that just like blew my mind for the first few weeks while I was still making friends and didn't have anyone to eat lunch with, I just go out and go out and sit in the MCG by myself, which was absolutely awesome and, and loved it. But like, I may never get the opportunity to do that again. Um, but I'm so glad I did. So I would just say, you know, cherish every single opportunity that kind of sport throws to you because they are unique and they are special. And sometimes you forget how unique they are. So, um, Ryan, you still got a few years left, hopefully. So hopefully you continue to cherish them. Plenty of Trumbull lunches to go. Um, <laughs> last question. It's a question we quite literally ask every episode, I think, um, and it's unrelated to you, but it is some advice for people out there currently um, battling through what is a quite a difficult time. Um, what's some advice that you would give them uh, who are looking to start their career in sport? Yeah, uh, it's a great question because we came up with it and we ask it to everybody. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting to answer it right now, though. Um, I thought I'd chuck it in but, last minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I honest, I'm like a big believer that your, your mindset is everything and everything kind of flows from that. So I think the first thing is to kind of get yourself in the right mindset to go on and do what you need to do. So I think the first step to that is accepting that this sucks. It's probably the worst time to graduate ever in sport. Um, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. All it means is that you've got to work extremely hard. And so I think the first step of just accepting it sucks, accepting that you've got to think laterally, you've got to do things differently, um, then allows you to realise that there are more options than you think. And that's when things start to become easier because you start to see things in a different frame of mind. And all of a sudden, you know, using, I don't know, your friend to, um, you know, or, you know, getting a friend and saying, hey, do you want to do a Google Analytics course tonight? Or do you want to go attend a, a webinar? Or, um, hey, there's an opportunity at this junior football club to, to help out over their preseason during the summer. Do you want to go and do that? Those are things that maybe you wouldn't have considered before, but they're the opportunities that are there at 
available at the moment. So I think my advice is to get yourself in the right frame of mind to 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 um, to pivot and to look at other opportunities that aren't traditional. I think um, the other thing I would recommend. Um, so you've got your experiences, which are going to be different. So I think you've got to think differently about that. The other thing that can help set your part um, is really work on your application capability. And I know a lot of people who are graduating have probably done a bit of experience and thinking they're not ready to take on, you know, another role on another committee this cricket season. Um, and so they, you know, refrain from doing that and just try and go straight into jobs, which is totally fine. But you've got to... Now the pool is much harder. Um, the pool of candidates is much harder and the opportunities to win are much harder. So you've got to have an extremely good capability um, to produce a outstanding job applications. So treating that like a full-time job um, is how you're going to do that. So looking at your your cover letter and making sure it's tailored to every single one and, so and you know, really addressing the key things that uh, the job description asks for finding the most relevant things to put in your resume and restructuring it so that it suits the job description, you know, getting into an interview and being prepared to deliver your personal pitch, which can cut out, you know, a couple of questions if you do it properly and you end up talking for 10 minutes and answering half the questions in the process. And then knowing the right way to kind of structure answers and know yourself so well and your experience so well that you can answer any question they throw at you because you've done the work to understand everything you, that you've that you're capable of, and then not being able to um, sell yourself short. So making sure that you're sharing the full extent of the results for what you um for what you've achieved, and a lot of people um will get caught up in an interview trying to sell themselves. And I guess my biggest advice if you're in an interview and you're struggling to sell yourselves is just don't take a backward step. So don't, un, you know, don't talk about an experience and say, oh, but it was only this. It was only a junior football club. Oh, it was only once a week on a Saturday morning for a couple of hours. If you have a title doing specific tasks, that's it. End of story. You don't need to go on. So that would be my main advice is to look for different opportunities. But if you are looking for a job, really work on your job application capability. Lovely, mate. Well, um, what I'm thinking that we do is is right now, I know a few weeks ago we had Kath uh, Lockman on board um, and, <laughs> you know, it was a little bit of a stitch up by you. So I thought why not on your episode um, we'll get you to do what Kath instead decided to rip me to shreds instead of closing <laughs> the show, which I'm going to ask you to do now. Um, so, no, thank you. Um, it's been a enlightening episode i think good fun to do these ones where it's just you and me but um no thank you honestly uh it was really good just to hear about obviously your reflections on your time at cricket australia um and you know you're a person who absolutely made the most of their time uh, at such a, a big organization and you know the fact that you did take the time to speak to everyone to know what they're about know their name um you know you've built quite the quite the network i think so you leave with quite a strong legacy um and you know it's fair to say that you really you did cherish your your moments there so there's some very exciting things in the pipeline i believe um which we'll be able to share in a few weeks time i think but um thank you again mate and i'll uh i'll leave you to close the show 
Thank you very much, Ryan. That's that's very kind of you. Um, I like Kath's option much better. Bit of actually just taking the time to rip you to shreds and then throwing it back on you. But um, yeah, no, thank you. I enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to to doing it in return to you to um to commemorate your three years at Cricket Australia, which is coming up very soon. So for those who don't know, we both started on the first. We both started on the same day at Cricket Australia three years ago. So we're going to find out Ryan's learnings after three years um, in another episode. But until then, thank you very much for listening. A reminder to please hit subscribe if you have not already. That is so you don't miss out on any episodes, including the enthralling one to come featuring our dear Ryan Walker. Drop us a rating, preferably five stars. Leave us a review. It really does mean so much and helps us put together a great show with more sensational guests, much more sensational than myself or Ryan, but that all helps get us great guests. And we'll bring back more great guests after we've chatted to one another in due course. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Sports Grad Podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at Sports Grad. 